0: Let's go to Matthew 28 and let's get this. Let's, we're going to wrap up this part of well, we're going to end how high is free, but we're never going to end how high is free for the rest of my life, probably, because it's always so much more revelation to the goodness and freedom of God that we miss or overlook or, you know, have to be reminded of. That's very, very important. Um, that we keep ourselves in, in constant remembrance of the goodness of God. And that's why the word tells us I'm I'm looking down because I'm turning getting my page up. That's why the word tells us to study to show ourselves approved. Because it's it's very important that we understand. I want to um I told you to go to Matthew, right? Before we go to Matthew, let's go to Mark chapter 16. Let's go to Mark 16, and then we'll come back to that. Um, and this is still covering the same thing. as covering after he was crucified and his instruction to us as his disciples to what's next or what he expects of us as believers. Um, I wanna subtitle this message, what does he expect? Because the Lord, God himself, Jesus just echoed what God always said. There's an expectation for me. And I think the emphasis for me and a lot of us as believers is what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. You know, when you, were, if you come from a holiness background um, in church, and I've been around a little bit of all of it, the holiness background was always about what is sin and what you shouldn't do. And your whole life was living with the shame and guilt. And the only way you could be right with God is just to never, ever do anything wrong. Does anybody have some of that background that can relate to what I'm saying right there other than me? Like, that was it. So your whole walk with God was a shame walk. horrible way to live because you can never please God no matter what you did. Because you always mess up. Always, all, of, all of us stumble. That's why Christ died for us, this grace. Then I was in between both because then we moved into the faith era. era. And the faith era was in some ways so much better, but then some ways it started to create the same problem or problem or issue. And then the faith era became: if you were sick or if if things didn't go well for you, then somehow your walk with God or you didn't have enough faith and you just didn't believe. So then that became a, a shame thing when it got overboard. Here's my point: holiness. Is a real thing. It's a real thing. But we, if we're not careful, take everything and turn it into law and all of a sudden it becomes about shame and not about God's grace. Well, the same thing happened with the faith message. It became about if you really believe God, you shouldn't need an operation or you shouldn't need to take aspirin or you shouldn't need it or you wouldn't have lack or you wouldn't be sick at all and it, all of a sudden it became again about some kind of works are you listening to what I'm saying to you every time the Lord gets a hold of the blessing and the grace of God he tries to remove the grace and try to put it back to it's about you and your works it's about How good you are, how much faith you have or don't have, or how much you really love God or don't love God, or how much God might love or not love you. It always comes back down to me. But Christ died for me and made it about him. He so loved the world he gave. God so loved the world he gave himself in in the form of Christ and took our sins for us so that we can walk in grace why do I push this? Because I'm lear- I've am i learned and still learning that as I acknowledge his grace, I'm less tempted to fall, and I'm less tempted to be in doubt, and I'm less te- tempted to, to stray from the faith or the truth. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, the scripture says. And when I first read that, I was like, no, it's not. You know, when I was a young Christian, it's behavior. Pastor said it all the time. You know, it's not, it's not about his kindness, it's about always teetering on the fence of good and not good. It's his kindness that led me to repentance. It took me a long time, I mean many years, like probably a good decade or more into my walk to start to accept that as a truth that I could be free because God's grace made it possible for me to be free. And he who loves much, you know, on and on it goes. God has called me to a walk with him that if I know he loves me and I know he cares about me and not standing over me with a judgmental finger, I'm less inclined to do the things that would be displeasing to him because my love for him makes me want to walk with him versus me fearing the threat of something would only keep me in line for a short period of time. I'm going to explain this a little bit more. Does anybody want me to explain this a little bit better than that, what I'm doing? Cause I, I really can. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Scripture says that. So I took that, like many of us, then my my duty for the rest of my life is to walk in being afraid of the Lord. You know, I had to behave, I had to do everything right, or else it was judgment coming. The problem with fear of the Lord is it only works as long as you feel afraid. And when you forget about being afraid and you go back to being yourself, you go right back to being who you are. And you're right back where you started. So I went to the Lord about that when I was a young Christian, because I said, God, I'm trying to be afraid of you. Now, try to be afraid of consequence, but I'm not able to maintain that. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not able to maintain this fear that makes me do right like what do i need to do to keep the level of fear up so i can walk in this wisdom and the lord began to minister to me through his word but the first thing he said pay attention to it says it's the beginning of all wisdom the fear of the lord is the beginning it's not the middle and it's not where it's supposed to culminate it's not the end he didn't call you to live in fear why? Because another scripture says, "Perfect love cast out all fear." Well, if I need it, fears the beginning. But your perfect love cast out all fear. People say, "No, but it means reverence and awe." Yeah, it means also clearly, clearly the word fear, even in the Greek and the Hebrew, meant the fear of repercussion of your actions, judgment. It still comes down to judgment. God is a holy God and he judges. There's no way around that. But he said, perfect love casts out fear. And what I begin to study is the perfect love of God will move fear away from me because he doesn't want me walking in fear. So if I'm trying to serve him out of fear and he's casting the fear out, then you're gonna go right back to doing what you were, unless you step into perfect love. Now, if you walk into a perfect love with God, and he has a perfect love with you, then the fear is cast out and I'm not able to serve Him out of love and not out of fear. So fear may have gotten me saved, but God doesn't want my walking in fear. You get that? It may, the fear of hell, the fear of repercussion, fear all of that, Fine, but once you come to him, our love for him should be the motivator that keeps us walking, not fear. Our ability then to even walk in faith once we got out of the judgmental teaching and start to move into teaching of graces, even in God's grace and goodness, even practicing faith, you listening to me, has to be out of an understanding of his love for me and what he's done, not what I'm able to do. I can't believe God if I feel like it's a job to believe God and there's a consequence for not believing him. I'll let you sit with that a minute. I should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What if I lay hands on them and they don't recover? Did I fail God? You know, you think that, did I not have enough faith? You know, you think that. Did I not pray or fast enough or do enough stuff? You know, you think that. Because it right away, it goes back to you succeeding or failing in the eyes of God. So I want to submit to you as we get to this verse. Everything God's called you to do is out of his love and his grace and his goodness toward you and me. Everything. And so everything I do in him must be out of that. It's not about earning points. It's not about trying to prove to God how good I am. It's not about being shamed and afraid if it doesn't go the way I think it should. It has to be out of love. And out of love, you can do all the things God has called you to. Let me give you another verse so so that you understand what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is pretty heavy, but you got to dissect this because it's very important. The scripture says, move with compassion, Jesus healed the multitudes. Correct? Didn't say moved with power. He had all of it. Didn't say moved with authority. He had all of that. Said moved with compassion. He healed the multitudes. So God's power operates in compassion. It's not a point system. How many people did you lay on? How many did you, how many people did you lead to the Lord? Oh man, I, I went out on a sweet week and I led 15 people to Jesus. Yeah, but that so what? That's what it does. It means nothing if your heart wasn't for the soul of the people and it was more about how many people you got to say the prayer with you. Because some people could have left you and went right straight back to hell and ain't even, even understand what you even had them do. It's compassion. It's the love of God that compels us to do what's right. It's it's the love of God that compels us to believe him and trust him. And if I know that, listen to me close, that I love him and you know you love him the best you can, but what's more important is that you know that he loves you. And if you know he loves you and he says, and we know, we believe that we have the promises that he's, he's, given us so i'm learning to believe god's ability in my life by his love for me and not my ability to quote unquote stand am i clear it's easier to stand when i know the person who assigned me is backing me with his love It's easier for me to go forward when I know the person who assigned me to do it is going to support me and keep me in it and not going to shame me if I don't get it all right. I'm I'm more inclined to win with positive motivation in the natural than I am from negative motivation. Uh, Any good coach will tell you that or trainer will tell you that. Well, what would make you think God doesn't know that secret? He knows the key to your success is not shaming you, but to motivate you and let you know I have you and you are loved and you are covered. And if you understand that, then all the things he calls you to do cease to be a burden because it becomes a reality that all that I do is in his power and in his name and in his love and it makes it easier for me to do it. Let's go to Mark. Chapter 16, I did a, that was a long intro. Oh my goodness. But I hope I said something to you. Um, Go to verse nine, chapter 16, verse nine. And when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, one of whom he cast out seven devils. And she went and told them that were with him as they were mourning mourning and wept and they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her did not believe. Who is this Mary again? remember we covered this last week Is't it that same one that Lazarus sister is that 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 Mary that that isn't it her? I need you to understand. All of this, if my brother, if you were here, my brother with Martha and Mary sitting at his feet, she wept and she wiped the people's his Isn't she the one? Why would he dare? And yet his first appearance to anyone, isn't it that same one? It keeps coming back to his love and compassion. And I think this gets missed in all the stories when it's being taught. She's... She is the one that they said shouldn't even be touching him. And yet his first appearance is to her. What have you done so bad that he won't appear to you first? This love of God is really getting the best of me. And I say that the best of me is is the right phrasing because I'm realizing Can't escape his love. And for the longest time, are you listening to me close? My thought of God was I couldn't escape his judgment. I lived that way. I walked that way. Even up to recent years, I mean, recent months, I walked in the way of I I can't escape his judgment. And God began to show me through this message how high is free, but you can't escape my love. And if you knew that and you focused on that, judgment wouldn't always be before you, but his love would be. I don't wanna walk the rest of my life with judgment in front of me, but love and grace and mercy and let his kindness lead me to repentance. I want to be right because I'm loved. I want to be right because I know I'm loved. Do I have any takers? Some of you on camera. Can I get a hand or something? I want to to walk with him because I know I'm loved by him. I don't want to walk in in fear of, of God's vengeance anymore. Him the Son makes free is free indeed. Let's get all the way free. So he appears to her. She tells them they don't believe her. The disciples. Wait, wait, wait. He appears to her. She tells them they don't believe. I have to say, based on that, They weren't very scriptural. These guys obviously weren't Bible scholars. They didn't study the word. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to say, it's all in there. And then he told them, I would die when I rise on the third day. In the other story, he told Martha and Mary, Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the, like, I'm the resurrection. So she comes to them and say, he's alive. And they're like, eh, yeah, whatever. We don't believe her. Well, could it be the, the, the past thing they don't believe her for? If they, do they not believe her? That's what I'm about to say here now. Do they don't believe, do they not believe her? because she's a woman. She's not one of us men disciples, so therefore he couldn't appear to her first. He, she, he would have appeared to come to us first. We I'm just saying, I, you know, I'm just reading stuff into this. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know how it was back then. I'm just saying, if Jesus is going to appear, he definitely ain't going to appear to the woman first. He's going to appear to us. We walked with him. Yeah, but none of y'all cried and wiped your feet with his feet with your hair, he was forgive, she was forgiven much, loves much. Maybe you didn't love as much as she did. I, I don't know if you're walking with me today. Maybe you didn't acknowledge, none of them acknowledged their frailties and their faults and their shortcomings enough to, to receive enough of his love. I'm just saying, a physician goes, Jesus says, to those who are sick. He chose them all as disciples, so maybe they had some kind of sense of entitlement with him because he chose them as disciples. He didn't choose her, he chose us. Right? Maybe they did not, No, you don't think so? Let me see. I'm thinking of a time that G, one of them sent a mama to Jesus and said, you know, when you get to your kingdom, can you put him on your right hand and him on your left? I think there was a sense of entitlement. That is no way Jesus would speak to someone of such ill repute or, or, low, or low value in our eyes. No, I'm telling you this for this reason, not to pick on the disciples. But not only do we do that to other people, we do that to ourselves. Ain't no way God picking me as low as my life is and how messed up I am and how, and how I know my walk ain't all it could be. And I don't fast enough and I don't pray as much as my cousin and my sisters. In the and them when they get in church, they jump around and roll under the chairs and do cock wheels and all kind of stuff with Jesus. I don't do nothing. I don't know if Jesus want to come to me. And Jesus said, but I'll, I'll pass by all of them. And I'll come straight to you. If you got a contrite heart and a broken spirit, I will not, not despise in any way. No, will I never. I will come to you. I will come to you quicker than I come to them. I will reach out to you faster I will reach out. And I will answer them faster than I will answer any of them. Because that's the way it goes. I remember Kenneth Hagen told the story one time long time ago, I was listening to one of his messages, and i never forget this. And he said, there was this faithful family in the church. They were in the church all the time. They served in the ministry. It was on the usher's board, all that. And any time somebody in the family would get sick, the kids or whatever, he would show up to their house, walk in the door, pray, lay hands on the people. He said majority of the time, they never got well. They never got healed. They would have to walk it out like everybody else. He said, was well, this another other family that very rarely came to church? And he would go to them to pray for them. And the moment he got there, he could feel the fever leaving underneath his hand. He would see this, and how fast God would just heal them instantly. And one day he went before the Lord. He said, Lord, something ain't right about this. I come to this house. These people are faithful members of the church. They hear, they give, they serve, and they almost never get healed. Then I go to these people, and you heal them almost as I'm walking in the door. And God, he said, God showed them a flashback. He showed them a visual. He said, when you come to these people's house, these faithful church folks. He get to the door. He said, when, no, he said, when he first, if he go, when he go to those people's house, the, the people that not church folk, the religious folk, he said, if, as he's getting out of his car, the door, front door is open. Mama, grandma standing outside. Oh, so good you're here. Praise God. He says, come on here, here. We, we don't, might not deserve nothing, but God don't want these children sick. Come on out of here and, and lay hands on these kids. And then he showed him when he went to the other people's house. He'd come all the way up the driveway, knock on the door, knock on the door again, knock on the door again. He almost get me to turn, head back to the car. The door finally opened. Oh, it's you. Well, come on in here and pray. And, you know, just, you know. And he said, and, and he, said he just saw the dynamic. It wasn't how much they went to church. It wasn't how faithful they thought they were in the Lord. It was how they loved the Lord and how they served the Lord and they expected. And these people that weren't necessarily religious people, they had more expectation. And I learned in church, and I'll say this all the time, a church messed me up because I, when I got saved, Jesus appeared to me in my living room and I had a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know everything yet that I need to know and I definitely needed to know what I know and I needed to learn the scripture. I needed to study the word and I needed to know what the, the boundaries were. Absolutely. But before I came to church, I believed God answered I believe God showed up. I believe he visited me and he did. And he spoke to me. And when I got in church, I lost all of that because they start telling me, well, you can't be calling on God for everything. You know, you got to use wisdom and you know, you can't be using the Lord like that, like he's a servant and men in it. And it's like, and you know, you got to suffer and you got to go to hardship sometime before God ends. Now I was an unsaved wretch and he's showing up to me and talking. And now the church them talked me out of all the goodness of God. Just took it all from me. You got to hurt. You got to be in pain. You got to struggle. You got to suffer. You got, and I was like, oh, oh, shoot. Oh, and right away, my life started to take on all of them things that they was preaching on me. It took a minute because I fought it. But like I say, you, you, you lay with a dog, you might get fleas. There's just too much, too much time you're going to lay up in these, these, under this religious mess and you keep taking it, it's go, you're going to be affected by it. You can't get away from it. So now I started expecting God to hurt me and to beat me up and to do me bad and to make me go through and not answer my prayers. And you'll figure it out. And I'm like, well, what do I have God for? I mean, I I don't understand. But when God, when I was homeless that time and me and my family were put in the street, all five of us, and I got along with God in somebody's living room who let me stay there by myself. And I sat there and I said, God, help me. And he walked me through the word. And that's when he said to me, I need you to unlearn and forget everything you've learned about the Bible. Everything. Only thing I want you to remember is Jesus is Lord and he died for my sins. And everything else you know and believe, I want you to forget it. And I want you to go to the world with me and we're going to start you all over again. And I'm telling you, after I went to that season, I went to that church that I went to and I was like, bye. No, but you got, Bye. No, but God don't want you. Bye. I'm out of here because what you're teaching is poison. And that scripture, if one of you lead any one of these young ones astray, it'd be better for you if a rock was tied around your neck. I never understood that scripture like I did when God told me to get up out of that church. He said, he is, yeah, he's telling people that I put cancer on them. He's telling people I'm causing pain and misery in their life. He's telling people I put disease on them for a reason. You're leading my young ones astray. Many people have left the church hurt and deluded and deceived because they felt that God was their tormentor. Get out. And I said, Bye. No, but we we don't think it's the law. We think this is the devil deceiving you. He's been deceiving me the whole time I've been in this church. I'm getting out of here. And I got out. And I got free. But then I had to unlearn. And that's when you've heard me say many times, the phrase God gave me. Learning is not the hard part. It's the unlearning. The unlearning will try to hold on even with what you learn. And it'll try to keep you where you were, even though you are free. I'm here to say to you, saints, your freedom and your quest for freedom in God should never come to an end. Are you listening to me? It should never, you are not free enough. You're never free enough. As long as you're living on this earth, God is bigger, God is greater, his grace is more powerful, and he has more for you and wants to do more for you and wants to love you more than you are even being loved right now. I'm saying to you, there's more to God's love than you've even begun to touch. Just there's more to it. But I make mistakes and there's trouble in my life and there's shortcomings in my life and sin in my life. He knew that when he hung on the cross. That's why he did it. If you stop focusing on that and focus on what he purchased for you, maybe you'll start to see some deliverance in these areas. I'm just saying I've said maybe, but I mean, realistically, you will. His love is so big and what he did is so big. So with the time I have left, let's finish. So she went to them, they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. Wow, they didn't believe her. Okay. So we're going to verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went in the way of the country and and when he did and told and told unto to them wait a minute what am i reading I'm, oh and they did and went and told uh, it unto the residue or the rest of them and they didn't believe them either afterwards he appeared to the 11 as they were sitting and eating and he did what he chewed them out he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe them which had told them that he was risen. Now, before we re- read the rest of this, he you know, appeared to Mary first. Mary told him, they didn't believe. He appeared in a different form. I, I like the fact that he appeared to Mary in his, in his original form, the one, you know, that Mary isn't it, that Mary, yeah. I'm glad that she appeared. he appeared to her as he was, then, really, then he appeared to others in another form. So I, I want to let you know this. Just, just, just a side quick journey here. You listening? You listening? Jesus can change forms. And when he appeared to me, he might not look like what he appeared to you like. He might not look the same when he appeared to me when he appeared to you. He'll be consistent with the word. That's how we do the vari- the, the validation of it. He, he'll be true to the word. But he will appear to me like me. He'll speak to me in the language he knows I understand. You think when Jesus, Jesus appeared to somebody in China, he might not look Chinese? I'm just saying. I know church folk get upset because we got the little blue eyed white man, blonde hair up on the wall and hang dangling from the churches. That's why I don't have none of that crap around me. I don't want no images of the no white Jesus. I'm not being racist, let white people have that. That ain't for me. I don't want no Michelangelo picture of Jesus. First of all, Jesus is Middle Eastern. And if we want to really make his features right, then we need to make them look more like, you know, like, you know, the, the people over there, you know, like Osama bin Laden and them because that's what he would look like. Let's keep it 100. So I don't want people painting their picture of Jesus to me and telling me what Jesus looked like, and I don't want a false image of Jesus appearing to me um, because he looked like a picture. I'm just saying that side journey, but I'm just laying it down. There it is. Take it or leave it. He appeared in a different form, and they still didn't believe him. And I'm 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 wondering if the form he appeared to them was was one that he figured maybe they would take more suitable, neither way, they didn't believe. But afterwards, he appeared to them and he chewed them out for not believing. And he he upbraided them, he chastised them about it because he was, understand, when, you don't see a lot of time where Jesus chastises, but every time Jesus chastises, if you look in the New Testament, he chastises for unbelief. He chastises for lack of faith, for not believing according to what was said to you. Jesus will always rebuke you and chastise you for not believing more than anything else. Well, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. Well, I'm going to chastise you that you didn't believe that you could be free or that you didn't believe that I loved you enough to forgive you even in that. I would criticize you. I chastise you or upbraid you for not believing my love and that I died for you that you could be free from this. Not that you did it but that you didn't accept that you could be free and walk in it. And that changes my repentance thing. I don't know if it works for you. It changes the walk for me. It offers me a freedom that, God, you want me free. Instead of coming to you about where I fail, I could come to you about my freedom. And we could talk about that and you can guide me deeper in it. Huh. Let me say this again. The thing you focus on is the thing you head toward. You catch that? If you think I'm wrong, when you get in your car, no, don't, don't do this. Just imagine it, you've probably done it. And you driving down the road, turn your head and look to the right and won't your car start drifting to the right? Look to the left your car you're going to start drifting over there the key is this keep your eye on the road and the, the thing you have in front of you is the thing you're going to head toward the thing that you focus on is the thing you're going to head toward if you keep focusing on your shortcomings and your weaknesses you're going to head head first into it full blood all blown collision into that but if you put your focus on his grace and His mercy and His goodness and His love and His care and His kindness—you're gonna walk into that. I'm gonna walk into that. I, will, if He said, "Be holy as I am holy," I don't want to look at how unholy I am and how am I ever going to get there. I want to focus on Your holiness, so I'll be aimed straight toward it. And I'm not gonna focus on and try to bring all the stuff behind me with me. I'm gonna leave that, and I'm just gonna keep walking. Yeah, but you still got a weakness over here, and yeah, but I'm gonna keep walking. Toward what you promised me I could be. You don't become a better basketball player by focusing on how bad you play. You focus on how good you want to play. It's interesting for me to use a sports analogy because I'm not even good at sports, but it's still the truth. All the coaches say the same thing. So he chewed them out for not believing that he had risen after it was said. He told them he would. He told them how it was going to go at the table at the Last Supper. When Peter tried to rebuke him, he said, I'm going to die. but I'm going to come back. Peter tried to rebuke him. No,pe you will not die. Even then, he let them know I'm coming back. This must happen, he said. Yet when the word was told to them that it had manifested, they didn't believe. I want to bring this home, but I want you to keep this with you. What promise has the Lord made to you that you're still looking for validation before you accept it? You still need people to agree with you. Because the three people who saw them, you can't take that from them. Whether the people believed them or not, they had that. That was their experience, and nobody can take that. You listen to me? The times that God has appeared to you and God has spoken to you, nobody should be able to move that from you. That's your personal experience. That's yours. Nobody can take that from you unless you give it to them. And after he rebuked them and upbraided them for not believing, he goes into a conversation. Go you into the world and preach the good news or the gospel to every living creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, I'm going to add accidentally, it will not hurt them. For, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are the promises that come. Well, if you fast a lot, if you pray a lot, you got to spend a lot of time before the Lord. For, it doesn't say any of that. How high is free? because it doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say, and if you, if you accept Jesus and you fast for a couple of years and you go off to Mecca and hide in a mountain, and so you become super spiritual and don't eat anything but r- rice and rocks for five months, it doesn't say any of that. It says, those who believe and are baptized in him, that's not just the water, but the the, spiritual, the, 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 the Holy Ghost baptism, these signs shall follow them. Well, I had to say, well, God, what's wrong with me? And at and, and, and one point in my life, because I, these signs ain't following me. Listen to me close. Listen to me close. I'm chasing those signs. They ain't following me. Who needs me to explain that? How many are on your face trying to, some of you gave up on them, them signs, just they ain't never going to, but it didn't say you should follow those signs, it said they should follow you. Hmm. How many are going to Benny Hinn and this healing minister and that prophet and this one chasing the signs? No disrespect if that's what you do, but come on, chasing them. Oh, I heard such a hey, he's a healer. And there you go. And you go there and you still don't get healed. Because you're chasing the signs. He said, but if you believe, they'll follow you. I don't chase wealth. I don't chase success anymore they supposed to follow me. All these blessings should come upon you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28, they should come upon you. You don't have to run up on them. They should, they should come upon you and overtake you. That means if I'm running, they should catch up to me and overtake me, get ahead of me. The blessings should get ahead of me. They should be there waiting for me when I arrive. I don't know if you're hearing me right now. And these signs shall follow me as a believer. So I shouldn't be on my face praying with God, bless me with the power of healing and blessing If you believe, if you believe and you receive my spirit, my Holy Spirit, these signs will chase you down. This is the love of God. I'm trying to do for you. I'm not trying to get you to do for me. And if you allow me to do for you and you trust in my love, then your walk will change because your love, my kindness will lead you to repentance, and the perfect love will cast out fear, and it wouldn't be a struggle for me. So I don't, I'm don't. i just putting this out there, ch- children of God. I pray that y'all can do something with it. I want to bring this home. Watch this. Let's read this again. He chewed them out for not believing. That's it. That's all. Then he said, finish with that. I don't like unbelief. Let's do something about it. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that believes not will be damned. And these signs follows those who believe. What? The good news, the gospel. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Not go into the world and tell people you're going to hell and you and, and, and you don't and stand on the corner with, a, with the megaphone back in the day with the little doilies on their head, forcing tracks at your hair. Hey, you need Jesus. He didn't tell you to go in and preach that. There's no way in the scripture that he told you to do that. He told you to go and the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is translated good news. What is the good news? That he loves you, that he died for your sins, that you don't have to die for sin for yourself. You don't even need to make all these sacrifices. The, the age of sacrificial lamb is dead. Just take the sacrifice that was made for you. I believe for a very long time in my walk, and some of you probably still do, that you have to be the sacrificial lamb for God. God has never asked you to sacrifice this and sacrifice that and kill this and die here and all of that. He said, I am your lamb. I died for you. That's it. Now, by accepting that offering, you can be saved. How much easier does he have to make it? But religion will always tell you you gotta earn. And Jesus just said right here, you gotta believe. And if you believe, you find out his way is better than your way, and it's not so hard to walk. I don't wanna chase women. I don't wanna use drugs. I don't wanna, I don't wanna go clubbing and hit the street. I don't wanna sell use drugs and sell drugs. I don't want to. Why? Not because, well, because. I know God won't be happy because the life I have in him is so good and the way he treats me is so good and the way he loves me is so good. I don't want to. I don't need to. I don't desire to. It's not something that I deal with. I fought and wrestled back and forth with it when I was in church, but not in God. And God wasn't really in me, but I was in church and God was kind of hovering around me and I could speak in tongue and all of that. But I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a relationship with religion. And once I begin to love, and even even in these past years, just really going, God, you really do care about me. You really do love me. Like you're taking care of me. I struggled with being overweight for decades. And once I accepted his love and, and realized how he wanted me, then he said, Eat like this. And whoop, it just fell off 300 pounds, just gone. And I said, God, not did lose 300 pounds, but I'm talking about, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, My point is, God, he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to lay down his life for you. And the things that you're struggling to have, he freely and willingly gives. It's yours to have. So after he said this, it says, so. Verse 12, no 19, let me, no 19, I'm sorry. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of the Father and they went forth preaching everywhere, working, the Lord working with them and confirming his words with signs following I give them credit for that. It, it only took one rebuke for them to get on the ball. But he only chewed them out for unbelief. Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he loves you enough to keep you? Do you believe he loves you? Like he said, don't look at the bird, look at the birds of the air, they tore not. Neither do they spin, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Do you believe that love? Do you believe that when he said that he meant that, that he loves you much more than the birds, yet they eat, the animals in the wild, yet they eat, yet you running around and struggling, trying to figure out how to do this, that, and the other? He said, but look at creation. I created you to provide for you. No, but no, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Okay, that's a Billy Holiday song. And we know how our story ends. I don't think you want to follow Billy. I think you want to follow Jesus. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know who wrote that and I don't care, but that's not what we go by. That's not what we go by. We go by, you love me, you sacrifice for me. You died for me. You love me. Everything God does for you is out of his love. Everything he does. So I want to bring this home and end this series by saying you can't escape his love. You're running from his judgment. If that's what you've been doing, fine. Run from his judgment into his love, into his loving arms. Run that way. And if you do that, you have an experience with God like none before. I've seen the love of God, I'm seeing the love of God like I've never seen it before. I'm understanding it in a way I've never understood it before. It's made my walk with him a much more beautiful walk, especially not feeling like he's always standing over me with a with a wagging finger. Freedom from The lies of the enemy is, simply put, God so loved you, and he so loves you, and that's it. And I would ask you in this season to study as much as you can about God's love. And you will see and begin to see how high is free. That rhymed. You will begin to see how high is free. In Jesus' name, love to you all, and amen.